Welcome to the Golf Life Alberta podcast with your hosts, Neil Bathgate-Snethin and Darren Krause. Hey everybody, welcome to Season 1, Episode 22 of the Golf Life Alberta podcast. I'm your host, Leah Bathgate-Snethin, which soon I will take away the Bathgate so we can just... We can just call me Leah Snethin very soon. And I am here, of course, with my co-host, Darren Krause. Hey, Darren. Hey, Leah. How's things? Well, I know that we said we were like, we, we finally released episode 21 and we're like, yeah, we're back on the wagon and we're doing this. <laughs> and then here we are another like almost two months later and finally just getting episode 22 out. But there is good reason for that on the night, I guess, of November 3rd, morning of November 4th. I was surprised by a very fast arrival of my little child. So we welcomed CJ. No, it is not Cody Jr. <laughs> That's what we call them all summer, but I still I still went with the CJ theme and we ended up naming him Connor James. Of course oh, nice. Connor because I mean, I don't know if you know this household cheers for the Oilers. So that one was a given. <laughs> and then we let Tyler pick the middle name. Oh nice. That's good. Yeah. Well, congratulations yeah, so... on behalf of the golf world. Thank you. It's Thank you. It's pretty We're exciting. Adjusting to newborn life again. He's only he's six weeks tomorrow, I guess. So wow. still still in the process of getting readjusted. Um, before he came, though, I did have the opportunity to attend the PGA of Alberta buying show, which also included the awards gala so we'll go over the winners there in our Callaway Chip Shots segment um, but there's also been a lot of changes to keep up with since then which we'll also touch on in Chip Shots. What have you been up to Darren? Uh, you know what just work I mean um, I uh, I mean we've we've talked about it before I have been running my own independent news site here in Calgary and honestly the uptake the readership I mean I, I don't want to I don't want to brag or nothing but we're pushing 30,000 views for December um wow awesome yeah so I mean things are going good of course you know and it, this is a struggle for all media organizations to one degree or another it kind of kind of hurts a little bit more when you're a star a startup but uh, obviously, we need the revenue to pick up. So we've got a focus coming up in 2019 to uh, push the revenue side a little bit more. Um, but we, we're pretty confident. We, we've got a lot of great reception for it, and we've worked our asses off to continue pushing it forward. So I think we're at the point where 2019 comes along. We're going to really start to ramp things up. And so thus, we've been busy with all of that. And honestly, Leah, I haven't picked up a golf club since uh the big b flight win back at Kananaskis uh some time ago so it's probably time to start talking some golf and maybe even getting into a little bit of golf shape and hey speaking of that um since you're down in that area mm -hmm. we we did interview shannon heffernan once on the podcast um we did she's moved now from the golf golf canada calgary center i needed to say that properly um yeah. over to a new facility kind of in the i think it's the blackfoot industrial area there yep. down by the dome um yep. dynamic motion golf performance with of course her husband wes heffernan and some others so they had their grand opening this past weekend and cool. i hope to get down to Calgary and go and check them out and, and at least get some content from them in the new year. So check them out, Instagram and Twitter for sure. They're probably on Facebook as well, but Insta and Twitter at DM Golf Fit. And we'll, uh, congratulations, you guys, on opening that up. And it looks pretty awesome. Okay, PGA Tour. There's been some interesting events. Have you been watching it all? Um, You know what? I pick up the odd round here and there, but I really have not watched too much golf, to be honest with you. It feels like it feels like there's there's not enough time in the day to uh, to run a business, so yeah. I don't find myself watching too much sports. I understand that. Um, 
my confession is actually, you know, when I'm up and doing my middle of the night breastfeedings, you and I were just talking about this before we started recording. I've unfortunately, I'm not a fan of this, but been co-sleeping with my little one because he's had some serious gas issues. So it's just been easier to have him handy next to me in bed. So I turn the TV on um, muted in the middle of the night while I'm doing my feedings with him. So I've been watching more golf and more European tour golf than like mm-hmm. I ever have in my entire life. So um, some of these events are are pretty fun. They're, they're small fields. They're hand-picked fields. You know, the Tiger Woods event had, I believe, 18. And this past weekend, Greg Norman had, I think it was, tw- I want to say 12 teams at two, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and then just, uh, of course, interesting side note, how great has Gary been playing? He's been in all these little <laughs> small fields. He made a hole in one actually at this Greg Norman event on the final day. And he was paired with Charlie Hoffman, which of course pissed off Cody because Cody actually wanted to name <laughs> CJ after Charlie Hoffman. He wanted oh, him to be man. Charlie. I know. And I was like, no, that's, that's not happening ever. Um, <laughs> But Charlie's his boy, and of course his partner was my boy Gary, and he didn't like that they were playing together. So, well, you <laughs> and know, they did really well. I I hate to I hate to kind of steal some of your thunder with the whole Gary Woodland playing well sort of thing, but you know, do you do you find it a little bit odd that the reason why he's playing well or that he's playing well in smaller field tournaments? You do realize that if there's only 12 people in the field and he finishes eighth, it's still in the bottom half of the pack, right? He's not finishing eighth, though. He's finishing, like, (laughs) second, and he's, like, going into the final day with the lead. He just needs to, you know, play a little better on the Um, final day. That's all. I'm teasing. I know. I know. Speaking of somebody else that I really... I was not a fan of until this week. (laughs) (laughs) I found... Okay. I need to explain why. So Kevin Kisner, I've always found to be too much like Zach Johnson. I just find him dry and boring and awkward. But I have to say that I completely appreciate everything that Kevin Kisner is now. <laughs> Did you hear what he said about Patrick Reed this week? Uh, yeah, I mean... Can I read the direct the nail, quote? Cause yeah, this is he like, hit the nail right on the head. Oh my god. Okay, direct quote. They all hate him. Any guys that were on the team with him at Georgia hate him, and that's the same way at Augusta. I don't know that they'd piss on him if he was on fire, to tell you the truth. That is like, I don't know, anyone who knows me and knows the awful insults I try to pass out, like, that is my new (laughs) one. (laughs) I would not piss on him if he was on fire. Oh, my Uh, God. That's a good one. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah, I mean... You know, you're so right about Kisner. He's he's very vanilla, I guess is the best way to put it. And to hear him come out with this zinger, <laughs> especially on somebody like Patrick Reed, I mean, it, it, it just has so much more impact coming from a guy like Kisner than, you know, maybe somebody else who's a little bit of a mouthpiece on the PGA Tour. So, totally I mean, good on him. I, you know what, I, Lily, I've, I've always enjoyed kevin kisner now the reason why i I enjoy him you're probably just gonna roll your eyes but um you know you don't see too many guys out there with a nice big dip in their mouth you know a good copenhagen side pouching it is he dipping all the time oh yeah yeah i i've actually seen him on camera do the old finger swipe where he'll pull it out of his his uh, lip and chuck it onto the ground. So, wow, I did not. Yeah, know that. no. So, you know, I mean, my husband does the same crap, right? Yeah, yeah, and I've been yeah. known to throw in a dip every now and again on the course. So, but no, that, that's a that's an odd reason to like somebody. But uh, plus, he went through a string of really great golf there. I think back in 2017, um, where he was high up. So I, I kind of got on the Kisner train at that point. Oh yeah, he's he's a solid player for sure, and of course he's a Callaway player, so I gotta love him for that. Right, just cause. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm so glad someone finally said it. It it goes beyond the golf world too, to some degree, because I mean, my wife she watches a little bit of golf now and then, but we watched a a Faraday episode um, 
it was probably about four or five months ago and they had Patrick Reed and she goes and this is how she feels about Patrick Reed. She said, you know, they tried to do the little segment where his wife got in trouble and she was in hospital for weeks, you know, to show the the softer side of him. But the problem is the rest of the episode, he was a complete ass. And, yeah. you know, when you're dealing with somebody like that, yeah, I mean, to, to put it in the context that Kisner did that, you know, I don't know that they'd piss on him if he was on fire, to tell you the truth. I mean, there's no better way to put it, really. No, no, it's amazing. It's so much more impactful than just saying, you know what, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's move on. There's only so much Patrick Reed I can take in a podcast. So everything's been going uh, in, at a snail's pace here with, with the podcast, with the AGT, etc., obviously due to the big changes in my life. So I did finally get out the AGT survey. I usually send mm-hmm. it like right after the season, but better late than never. I need the feedback. You still need to do yours, Darren. Yeah, I know. I, I, it, it's so funny. And this kind of speaks to how busy I've been as well. <laughs> I'm usually the guy who gets it in the email, does all the questions right there, and sends it right back. And, like, I got the email, what? It was probably two weeks ago now. Um, yeah, I something like that. I still have not – I don't even think I've opened it up. So um, I will not get to cool. that, as should all of you if you are AGT – players you've probably been contacted to participate in the survey Uh, a lot of valuable feedback that goes back to the well that goes back to Leah but also to the to the players committee as well too so get it in there and uh, get your feedback can I just mention one um, very interesting theme that's been coming in I I do read the responses kind of as they come in Um, when we first started the AGT we did championships out in the East Kootenays, in Cranbrook, in Invermere, that type of thing, because it was just cheaper mountain golf. And if we were going to go mm-hmm. away for a weekend, it just made more financial sense to go out there. I also got a lot of flack on social media every time we went out there. We also had a, a major at Golden one weekend as well. Right. And people would start commenting on the AGT photos like I thought this was the Alberta golf tour why are you in BC and yada yada and it's like okay actually the GM Brian Shaw from Copper Point was like you know what Leah I think you're gonna just have to rename your tour the Mountain Standard Time Golf Tour (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point we'd still haven't hit the time change or anything in in the province and I just don't think it rolls off the tongue the same way (laughs) good try Brian um, but a lot of people have been requesting that either a major or a championship is out there. It's interesting because those those comments are coming from people that weren't necessarily around when we did go to the East Kootenays in the past. So, mm-hmm. And I just kind of wrote it off as, you know what, people don't like this. It's too far or what have you. But it, it seems like people are realizing, you know, even with championship being at Kananaskis, as awesome as it was to play four rounds there it's still not cheap and it's not cheap for accommodations in the, in the Kananaskis region either. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm waiting for a few more responses to come in and then obviously waiting to contact um, and, and meet with the player advisory committee. But it sounds like people are starting to want to go back out to the East Kootenays, which actually makes me very happy because we have such great relationships with the courses out there. And I would love to go back out and, and support them. I didn't get to play uh, when they were out there. I would have loved to. I love all of the courses out there. Eagle Ranch, Copper Point, uh, the Radium courses, uh, all great courses. And you know what? For those who are like, oh, what is this, the Alberta Golf Tour? Well, first of all, it's probably predominantly Alberta golfers. And, um, you know, just so you know, it is kind of part of Alberta because they probably more associate with us than they do with the rest of their 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 BC counterparts over there. So it's kind of like the adopted part of Alberta when we go to the to the BC interior. Well, at least the the southeast part of uh, the BC interior, anyways. So um, a lot of Calgary and area golfers go out there quite regularly. I know that I've played I've played most of the courses out there. Um, you know, whether it's St. Eugene's Mission, Bootleg Gap, Trickle Creek. 
all of those ones as well. Why wouldn't we go out there when we have such great golf courses out there? We, and I imagine that we can get them pretty reasonably priced. So way, the idea way better is, than Alberta, for sure. Yeah, and the and and the idea is to get people out experiencing courses that maybe they don't get to play all the time. So if we can have some events out there. Um, it's really just enriching the experience for for everybody and it's not like we're having the whole tour out there yes and I know I another part of the reason why I stopped going all the way out there was the comments from the Edmonton and more I guess central or northern Alberta people who have to still basically like drive all the way to Calgary and then get on highway one to get out there I totally get that it's a further drive. So that's why it would only make sense to be a major or a championship out there. But yeah, for sure. We can just the price point that we can get those golf courses at versus what we can get anything in Alberta at is just so much better. And they're so mm-hmm. good. So yeah. little little side note there. Um, hey, you know what? While we're while we're on it, Leah, um, do you got any you got any teaser courses? Hate to put you on the spot, but <laughs> any um, teaser courses for where we're headed next year? Well, I will speak to two of the majors that we've had on our schedule. One is good news. One is bad news. So hey. bad news. I'll give you the bad news first. We always have accommodation issues in Jasper. Mm-hmm. This year. They are actually renovating the campground that we stay at and that a lot of people stay at. And there, there's very few people that actually stay in hotels there because it's so expensive. It's cheaper to right. go out and like rent a trailer for the weekend than it is stay in a hotel. So we are not going to go to Jasper next year just, just for the one year because the campground is being renovated. Accommodations are going to be even more hard to come by and it's just not going to be worth the stress for everybody because, you know, I've got a number of participants in mind and I give that number to Jasper and then I can't meet that number because people can't find a place to stay. And then it's just kind of a big mess, right? Like nobody wants that to happen. So Mm -hmm. next year we are taking one year break from Jasper. So I apologize. The next one is the one that's been on our schedule for a very, very, very long time. We are just shifting a weekend though. So Stewart Creek, our season opening major, which is the Stableford format over two days. Typically, we do that the last weekend of May, which is also the weekend after May long weekend. Right. This year, they gave us the option of moving to the first weekend of June just because it's the first and second, like it's it's almost in May. Um, mm-hmm. And so I took it because, as we know, we had to cancel President's Cup last year due to the snow so i needed that weekend after may long to make up president's cup instead um because really so so is that did did we just get three well yeah i guess you got three there you go yeah because i don't so yeah i don't do i don't do tournaments on long weekends so may long was always out and the weekend before may long is mother's day weekend and i already steal enough people away from their mothers or wives for the rest of the summer that I don't need to be doing that in May. So then that puts us to the beginning of May and who knows if the courses are even going to be open. So yes, I guess you got three. So, so president's cup makeup is going to be May 25th and 26th. I originally wanted to keep it at Pine Hills. They have another event already booked that weekend. So Mm -hmm. we might need to shift some things around. It might be at a different course. um, And we'll maybe do an actual tournament at Pine Hills rather than the President's Cup. So I still need to figure cool. out location, but May 25th and 26th is now going to be the 2018 President's Cup makeup weekend. <laughs> and then June 1st and 2nd is going to be Stewart Creek. Awesome. I'm looking okay? forward that's to it That's all already. I'm telling anybody right now, mainly because that's <laughs> all I know. <laughs> oh, good journalism. Always able to draw out the, the scoops, right? There you go. <laughs> Next up, we have Chip Shots, brought to you by Callaway Golf. All right. Well, um, a little lady that we have talked about on, I think, almost every Callaway Chip Shots that we've had on the How podcast, can you not, it feels right? like. <laughs> yeah. Jacqueline Lee. Um, she is foregoing her final semester of eligibility to turn pro. She made the LPGA. She made it through Q School. So congratulations, wow, that's awesome. Jacqueline. That is so exciting. 
more more um, Canadian content out there. That's that's excellent. Right? And we don't, yeah, it's not just, I think we've got three kind of main ladies that are on the LPGA mm-hmm. right now that we can talk about. So it's nice to have somebody else out there, which is great. Absolutely. Um, as previously mentioned, the PGA of Alberta Awards happened in October. So I just want to give a quick shout out. It's not going to be quick because there's so many winners. Um, <laughs> to <laughs> the award winners. Uh, we have Club Professional of the Year, Tom Greiner. He is from the Calgary Golf and Country Club. Executive Professional of the Year, Alan Carter from the Edmonton Country Club. David McComb, uh, Class A Professional of the Year. He's from Blackhawk in Edmonton. CFM Assistant Professional of the Year, Joel Douglas from Cottonwood. Teacher of the Year, Ryan Anderson from Glencoe. Junior Leader of the Year, Derek Baker from, I believe he's out of Windermere and the Derek Club in Edmonton. Uh, Public Retailer of the Year, Talon Sweeney is the head pro, so Jasper Park Lodge. We all got to experience their retailing or merchandising, I guess, last year. Uh, Private Retailer of the Year, Dean Ingalls from Silver Springs. Professional Development Award, I love this kid. I actually used to work with him before he even got into the golf industry at Olds College. Sam Kirkness, he is out of Pritis. Uh, Coach of the Year, Luke Workman, also out of Glencoe, and Sales Rep of the Year, my counterpart in Hard Goods, Callaway Hard Goods, in the Northern Alberta region, Jim McCauley, and he is everybody's, well, one of everybody's favorite people. He is the funniest guy and the one who kind of helped us get on board with Callaway to begin with. So congratulations to all the 2018 winners. Absolutely. Congrats, guys. And one more quick AGT note. We are holding our waste management trip once again. So we are going to head down February 2nd to 6th. So that's the Saturday to the Wednesday. Um, Last year, we went down Friday night. And with the exception of a couple of the young guns, uh, Neeler Nose being one of them, um, (laughs) the rest of us were a little bit maybe... um, um, I'm just going to say it. We were a little bit too old to enjoy the Saturday. (laughs) It was very (laughs) overwhelming. There was 220,000 people there. And it was just, it was people who didn't even care about golf. And it was annoying to be stumbling through these drunk people all the time. And so we loved going on Sunday. And we got seats on the 16th hole, no problem. Didn't have to go very early. So the idea this year was to fly down on Saturday go to the tournament Sunday, and then golf Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, fly home Wednesday night. So that is the plan. This year we're going to stay in Chandler. Uh, Last year we stayed at the Wigwam, which is over in, oh my gosh, Litchfield. So Mm -hmm. we're kind of on the other side, still half an hour away from Scottsdale, from TPC Scottsdale. Which really isn't that big of a deal because we're only going there for one of the days and then all of the golf is going to be within the Chandler area. So very exciting. We're golfing Action Southern Dunes, which is a Troon course and one of mine and Cody's absolute favorites. It is in mint condition all the time. Um, we are also playing ASU Karsten, which is where the oh, ASU I team love used to that play. Course. Yes. ASU and Karsten then... though so, so, sorry, if you don't mind no. me just Give popping her. in here for a sec. The one thing about ASU Karsten, and I wouldn't say that this is the downside, but if I recall correctly, it is right on the uh, the airport line. So you literally have yeah. planes flying overhead constantly. Yeah. And when I say constantly, I don't mean, you know, like, you know, McCall Lake or anything like that up here in Calgary. It's like a steady stream of jets over your head. It's loud for sure. And there's a lot of construction yeah. that's going on around there. And it's, I, I understand it's not the course that the ASU team uses anymore, but I still oh, wanted really? to go okay. there because there is still so much history surrounding it. And, you know, there's all these plaques, like all these things that fill one. And, and yeah. you know, I know there was other people that went to ASU, but I love Phil, right? So <laughs> you can, you can kind of get. It's a great course. Yeah, you get all of that. And then um, before we go home, pop. Papagao, I don't know how to say it. Papago, I, I have no idea how to actually say it, um, which is even closer to the airport, just north mm-hmm. of the airport, is uh, where we'll finish off on Wednesday, and then we can all just head to the airport right after that. 
Cool. That sounds like a sounds like a fun trip. Unfortunately, um, given the fact that I am a entrepreneur, um, <laughs> which is code for not making any Broke. friggin' money, um, I, I, I won't it. be able. To, I I won't be able to go this year again. But uh, but at one of these uh, points in the future, when I make my millions uh, running a media uh, empire, um, I'll be able to go. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Um, I also touched on this one a little bit earlier in my intro. Um, I don't want to talk about it for too long. I don't want anyone getting mad at me, but I do want to shed some light to it to people who aren't maybe directly involved in the industry to mm-hmm. really understand what goes on in, in behind the scenes. This is another reason why I haven't been able to really book events quite yet. Um there have been, I I wanted to actually count, I, I but I, I don't think it's even fair to count. Um, so many general managers and head pros, specifically, like these, these high-level positions at these golf courses, losing their jobs this off-season. Private courses, public courses, you name it. There has been, I want to say around, around the number 20. Mm-hmm. At least, if not more, I don't know. I listed off a bunch to you in a text message, but yeah, it's yeah. it's insane. There's so many people losing their jobs, and you know, some of it sure it could be a performance issue, but I think the majority of it is a financial issue. And these high level positions, they did get brought in at really high wages when times were good. Mm-hmm. You know, you had a head professional making six figures. Right. And then you had all the assistant pros under them only getting, you know, six or seven month contracts making $3,000 a month. At some point, I think that needed to balance out. I don't know if the assistants are ever going to see more money. They Actually, Alberta is one of the best paying provinces for an assistant professional, which is insane because, like I said, there's anywhere between 27 to 3500 a month. And they're expected wow. to work like seven days a week, 12 hour days. This is why, not that I'm, I'm saying don't become a golf professional, but know what you're getting into for sure, because it is not for the faint of heart. And there've been so many really good professionals as well, leaving the industry. I mean, especially, man, I've, I've been very involved in the industry, obviously over the past six years with AGT and whatnot. I worked in the industry prior to that. And just seeing seeing the good pros leave the industry is hard. But also you're so happy for them because you know they're getting consistent 12-month employment and consistent paychecks and consistent hours, which is better for a family dynamic. So mm-hmm. a lot of them don't have a choice. But it is very sad, very hard to see all of these Job postings is how I originally found out um, that all these general managers and head pros are, are losing their jobs. And I think a lot of it maybe had to do with the off season that we just had prior to the season beginning. Yeah. You know, we had snow so early and it went so late. A lot of courses didn't even open up till mid to late May. And then all of a sudden we had snow in September and yeah. some courses had to close that early. They had a three and a half month season. You can't mm-hmm. afford a six-figure salary plus all these other positions if you're not bringing if you're only bringing in revenue for three and a half four months. Right. I I wonder, Leah, how much of it has to do with just the economics of golf in general. I know that there's been a lot of um, a lot of reporting done on the topic as to. You know, the cost of golf, the amount of time people have to invest in a golf game. I mean, honestly, even though a golf round is only four hours, if I'm playing out at Serenity, you know, out there, it's a, it's a half an hour, 45 minutes there. It's a half an hour, 45 minutes back. All of a sudden, you're looking at a six and a half hour commitment after, you know, you drop a beer or two with some buddies. And and on top of it, you're paying, you're paying almost $100. So I mm-hmm. wonder... I mean, there's there's a lot of courses I know out there when their or their tee sheets aren't booked. I mean, a lot of it has to do with the fact that a lot of people don't want to pay a hundred and a quarter for a round, um, you know, in in the middle of the week. Um, I yeah. know some courses have have jumped on board and and started, you know, the get down the whole route of of you know, kind of like the the golf now thing down in the U.S. where they'll 
they'll give away, you know, rates that aren't booked during the day, but, but not enough of them have. And I think that, you know, to some degree, people want to be able to find some of the value and, you know, there's, there's a sweet spot in there. But like you said, a lot of these guys were hired on when it was boom times. And that was a point in time also where a lot of these people could afford to pay 125 bucks for a round because either mm-hmm. their company was paying for it or they had, you know, they had a good paying job and it, that, that, that market's just not there anymore. No, that's, that's exactly it. And it's, it's hard, it's hard to know from an operation standpoint, what to do to win. And then you're almost put into this impossible position as an employee because you've accepted this wage. You're, you know, you, you've, you've developed your life around the salary that you've agreed to and, Mm -hmm. and you can't necessarily take a pay cut. No one wants to take a pay cut in their life. Exactly. Um, But you know, like I know of, of one instance and there might be more where they actually let somebody go and allowed them to reapply for their own position just so they could drop the wage by like 20 or (laughs) $30,000. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, uh, I think right now, especially in Alberta's economy, um, and I don't want to go through the tired uh, Alberta economy trope here, but I think a lot of people are faced with the same situation. A lot of industries, you know, you can, we're going to cut you, we're still keeping the position open, but if you apply, you're going to get paid $25,000 less. And that's just the reality. I think golf courses are facing the same thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and especially with the weather issues that that we've been having, Mm -hmm. like that compounded everything this year. And I think it really opened a lot of eyes onto, you know, I get it. I get it's the bottom line and business is business. And it just also hurts, you know, knowing these people on a professional and personal level, knowing that their family and their livelihood um, is based on this job and now they don't have it anymore. So yeah. It's well, it's here's, tough. here's hey, you went a, through it last year too, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, here's to a, a, a more improved economy and better weather for us to start golfing with. But now it's coming up, come next on, year. Mother Nature, help yeah, us exactly. out. Exactly. That was Chip Shots brought to you by Callaway Golf. All right, well, okay. I would say, what, two weeks before uh, Mr. CJ made his surprise arrival, um, we had a little phone conversation with our buddy Neeler Nose. We gave him a chance to talk about his picks, defend himself for once, and um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, didn't get it edited and posted. So we'll have a little bonus episode for you guys after this one comes out where he discusses his picks and and maybe gives me a couple digs back. I don't think he really does, though, does he? He's too nice for that. Um, yeah, he he's pretty pretty nice guy. He, he defended is. himself well, though. <laughs> um, but <Kind> of. <laughs> we also did talk to him about uh, some rules situations. And actually, interestingly enough, one of the rules that we talked about was actually tweeted about by a PGA Tour player a week ago. Billy Horschel. So I don't know, you guys can look that up because I don't want to ruin the conversation before it actually happens. But um, (laughs) here's some rules situations that Ryan wanted to know about. Ryan, while we have you on the phone, figured we'd get some more feedback. We haven't been getting a ton on social media. So I figured I'd just corner you and ask you on the phone here is there any rules clarifications or explanations that you are interested in talking about uh yeah so we know i think you mentioned it uh, a couple of podcasts now the uh rule changes that will be made in 2019 i wanted to get your guys's thought on one that hasn't been uh announced so it will be changed but um hitting out of divots in a fairway i i feel that should be some sort of relief for for the tour players uh I just, I just think it's a bit of a punishment for guys to hit a fairway and then end up in a, you know, couple inch deep gash in the fairway from some guy's wedge. What do you guys think about that one? Totally, I completely agree. To me, that's kind of the same deal as being able now to fix spike marks on a putting green. I don't like when the rules penalize players for something that may have happened on the course ahead of them. 
and that was completely out of their control. So mm-hmm. personally, I agree, and I would love to see that get changed. What do you think, Darren? Well, I'm trying to think of a <laughs> advocate approach, but I can't. Um, honestly, I've been quite fortunate in my golfing tenure that I have not. I've, I've hit out of maybe five divots in my entire life, probably been given in the rough most of the time off the tee. But no, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty reasonable rule, you know, if you could just, just pick it up and nearest point of relief, if it's right next to it, it's right next to it. Um, that's, I mean, it's, it's something I don't think that they will consider just because they don't want to, I, I don't think that they want to make rules for the fringes. I don't know how often it actually happens. And if you're playing, you know, maybe it can be a, a local rule, even for the ATT. I don't know, but I'm, I'm not sure it's ever going to be a, a full-fledged USGA or uh, RNA rule. Yeah, and I, I think you brought up a good point. Like, where's where you know where do we cross that line? Where if we, we can replace or uh, get relief from divots in, in the rough or, or the first cut? Uh, yeah, I think definitely some some things have to be thought out. But again, I, I kind of just think hit the fairway and you end up having to play a tougher shot than maybe if you were in the rough or the first cut. So this is my thoughts on, on that. But yeah. I, I do agree with both of you that we shouldn't be penalized for stuff that happens ahead. Uh, the, the divot one is just a, it's, it's a tough one for sure. And um, um, okay. quick side note on that. And I don't know if every golf course does things the same way. Um, I know Pritis is up there in the way that they maintain their course. Um, but we had very specific rules when we had our tournament there this year that there was specific sand and seed for tee boxes and specific sand and seed for the fairways. And if you took a divot out of the fairway, they did not want you to replace the grass. They wanted you to repair with the sand and seed that was on your cart. Um, Because it is more difficult for that grass that you just dug up to reroot itself and it's more likely to die and stay a loose piece of ground and they want their players to be able to hit out of the sand and seed instead of a loose piece of grass. I think you've seen a lot of courses going to more of the sand and seed than, you know, the straight up replacing the divots. They've all got them on the carts now for the most part. I don't think a lot of people uh, replace their divots anyway since they're just recreational golfers. So it seems to be easier to throw that sand and seed on there than go walk up 10 yards and grab your divot. Well, unless your name is Brian Payne and you... you... (laughs) You hit these two foot long divots, then yeah, maybe, maybe he goes and grabs that. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Um, All right. So I... Second, this one is actually a question, uh, not necessarily a rule change that I'd like to see, but uh, grounding your club. Um, now, I know you can't do it at hazard, but what I've always thought about is, like, what if what if there's, like, a, like you know, if there's taller grass or, like, a tree in the hazard line? Like, what exactly is grounding your club in the hazard, like, if you're, if you're brushing the grass or, like, you know, like, can you help me out here? I hate this one. <laughs> and actually, this one's getting changed. Okay. You you will be allowed to ground your club in, not in every hazard. I got to double check exactly what is being changed. I haven't focused too much on the specifics of the rule changes, but yeah, it's, yes. it's going to feel so weird. Um, but I don't know the specifics on like every single hazard marking out there, to be completely honest. It's, it's one that's puzzled me too, Ryan, because if you're sitting in... A, a hazard area where you know you have a little bit of tall fescue there. If my club, like, and, and the wind's blowing and shaking some of that fescue around, if I'm touching the grass, you know, or it blows towards my club, am I grounding my club? Exactly. Well, and we've seen that on the PGA Tour, right, where they've they've hit a, a piece of fescue or something on their backswing and been penalized for it. So that's one that. I don't feel like we're super, super sticky on, on the AGT, so it's not one that I've really had to deal too much with. I don't think that's that's anything that we've had to worry too much about, but that's at the same time, it's it's one that maybe I should know a little bit better than I do. However, moving loose impediments in a bunker and 
and very openly grounding your club are two things that we've, um, I, I know I personally had to watch a champ fighter at championship, not this past year, but last year at Wolf Creek, I, I literally watched him in a red stake hazard. I, I don't know he just must've forgot he was in one moved a log and then proceeded to take two practice swings and then proceeded to change the club he was using and take two more practice swings, taking ground with all of them. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> and of wow. course, um, well, like, like, is that a stroke? Each time he club? I think it's supposed to be. I only gave him, uh, I only gave him three stroke penalty cause he already made like a nine or something on the hole, but Man, that was hard to watch because I don't like saying anything until after the hole is over. Because I was just there to take pictures. I just, I spotted his ball and I was, and so I was like, oh, your ball is right there. So I just happened to be watching him and it was so painful. (laughs) That is a, that is, that's a tough one. Now, Leah, just on that grounding your club in a hazard or in a, in a sand trap, you're not going to be able to take practice swings, are you, and, and get a feel for how the sand, like your ball is going to play in the sand, are you? Like I said, I haven't looked into the absolute specifics. I've got my rule book ordered. It's on its way. They're shipping them sometime in October here from Golf Canada. So I'll be able to answer that with more definitive proof, I guess, um, shortly. I, I do not know what the answer to that is at this time. Okay. And Ryan, you mentioned you have, you have one more rule that you'd like to talk about. I think this is probably just beneficial for all of us to know, and I, I can't say I'm even 100% certain on it, but Leah, maybe you could uh, tell us how to actually take an unplayable lie. I know I love trying to hit those hero shots from under a tree on my knees and stuff like that, but maybe sometimes it's better if I just, you know, man up and, and take the stroke or take out as many strokes I need and take an unplayable Yeah, well, okay, so with an unplayable lie, um, it's part of the reason, actually, that we implemented on the AGT this forest fescue rule, because a lot of times um, an unplayable may not even get you out of trouble. It may almost put you into more trouble or um, not really improve anything. So an unplayable lie is to be taken exactly two club lengths, no closer to the hole, from where your ball was found. So if you're up against the back of a stump of a tree, you need to mark that, mark your two club lengths, no closer to the hole, and drop your ball. So you are very likely, unless you're right on the edge of the forest or the tree line or the fescue or what have you, you're very likely still going to be in the crap if you take an unplayable lie. Now, on the AGT, we do this forest fescue rule where we go from the tree line, from your point of entry. So if you've got a hard slice, for example, <clears throat> maybe not you, Ryan, you're a lefty. I'll use a righty example. Hard slice going and you, you know, you enter 10 yards behind where your ball was found, you need to make sure that you are going from your point of entry into that tree line, and then you can take your two club lengths from there. That is almost always a much better option for you on the AGT anyways. If you're playing in another tournament where they don't have the forest fescue rule, then obviously you are kind of stuck with that unplayable option. But aren't they going to change that rule? Isn't that one of the changes in the upcoming rules where they are going to have that lateral hazard rule where it's point of entry? Yes, and again, I don't know the specifics. Um, the, The one that, the part of that rule that I'm a little, I don't know, I don't love is that you're going to be allowed to do that on an OB ball. And as you know, um, I've always said, even on the AGT, even with this forest fescue rule, out of bounds is out of bounds. So if you go OB, re-hit that shot because we're not 
we don't do the forest fescue. You don't get your stroking distance there. Well, it <laughs> eliminates OB then, except for major tournaments. Yeah. If you can, you know, drop it up there, OB doesn't exist. It's all lateral hazards then. Exactly. And the other thing that um, I, I'm not sure how I feel about yet is they're actually allowing people to drop all the way into the fairway. So you don't have to go two club lengths from the tree line. As long as you are no closer to the hole, you can actually go into the fairway to club lengths. I like this rule a lot. <laughs> it sounds way more now, I think. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, no, but actually, Ryan, you just raised something that I think is, like, it could actually change the way courses are played. <laughs> if you have OB in a certain area... But if you tag your driver, you know, and you can land at 250, 260 and clear the OB, and now there's no risk, um, and the only penalty is going to be, oh, you get to drop it up there, I think a lot more people are going to take the risk of of playing over those hazard areas uh, in order to try and score better. You know what comes into my mind immediately when you say this? the amount of vehicles that are going to be hit driving to the Banff Springs golf course for the amount of people that are going to try and cut that corner on 18. (laughs) (laughs) They are going to go over the road. It's probably going to be, it's probably going to be a bunch of nice vehicles and they can afford the repairs anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I, I do believe though that, for tournaments that those implementing those rules is optional. There are a few optional rules. Maybe that could be its own segment uh, at one point here too. If the committee declares to implement a specific rule, it must be on the rule sheet. One that we do, I believe, oh my goodness, I wish we had a rule sheet in front of me. Um, I think it's 24-2, Stones in Bunkers where it's not fine sand everywhere and there's larger pebbles and it could be a safety hazard for somebody hitting out of it. Um, We have chosen to implement the removing stones from bunkers rule. So I believe that this whole OB lateral hazard drop zone type of thing is an optional rule that may or may not be implemented in tournament golf by the committee. Yeah, cool. Good talk, Tiger. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I think you'll probably see a lot of tournaments that are opting out of some of these rules. I can't see a major tournament being played with the Forest Fescue lateral rule. Like, that that defeats the purpose of, of guys spending hours <clears throat> upon hours practicing and whatnot. You know, if you can just blow it into the trees, you know, and, oh, you know what, I'm just going to hit three from here, guys, way out in the fairway, pop it up onto the, pop it up onto the green from 200 out or whatever, 150 out in some cases. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I think that for the most part, it's meant to help with pace of play in a more recreational, um, yet rules following settings so maybe like club championships and and men's opens and things like that so i think it definitely is going to prevent us us hackers uh our weekend players from doing the tin cup on some holes which maybe isn't a bad idea so thank god we know how i feel about pace of play (laughs) maybe you could go over that with us again leah (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel like we need to listen to Leah ramble about pace of play, do we? <laughs> no, it's Thanksgiving. We should have a nice, happy day. Okay, we'll, we'll do that. Okay, so it was Billy Horschel tweeted uh, a week ago about, with all these new USGA rule changes happening in the new year, we are able to fix tap down damage to greens, i.e. spike marks, but we aren't able to get relief from divots, which I think is the definition of ground under repair, especially when you hit a fairway. Touche, Billy Horschel. Touche. I mean, that's exactly it. I'm not something, maybe not the words that we use during our discussion, but yeah, it is ground under repair and you're getting penalized for hitting 
the fairway and having to hit out of the divot, which is unfortunate that they didn't look at that rule. All right, you guys. Um, listen, it was it was consistent in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> It was a fun season one. Listen, this was a learning opportunity. You know, I remember when I first kind of got this idea and Darren first, you know, got laid off from his job and we talked on the phone and I was like, I think I kind of maybe want to do a podcast, but I don't even know where to start or how to do one. And and here we are almost oh my god no i remember it vividly vividly (laughs) it it was you text me going okay this is the topic for us to start and it was justin thomas you know you know his his fuck yeah on the golf course right right. and you're like we gotta talk about that let's start the podcast and we literally we got all of the we downloaded all the software we (laughs) did everything that day and we pumped out our first one that day after that text message about justin thomas that's where it started and look at where we are today that is awesome i you know what it's been it's been fun darren and it has been quite a learning opportunity huge learning curve for me yeah Um, absolutely me too I appreciate your willingness to record with me all the time, for me to pick on you all the time, for you to do all the editing all the time. So uh, it's my thank pleasure. you so much. Um, it's been a fun season one and I apologize to everyone. I had a really rough pregnancy and then I had a rough kind of, well, it's not rough. It's just, you know, getting used to a newborn <laughs> who is very attached to his mom. Um so we promise we will be uh, back to a regular routine in in 2019 and actually pump these podcasts out on a regular basis again. I know I actually had some text messages and and emails from some people who were like, uh, what happened to the podcast? You didn't say you were done. <laughs> we're not done, oh, no, I promise. We aren't done. We aren't done. Season <laughs> two is coming up. Season we two is to... coming up. Yeah, That's we crazy. just have to we just have to get through the holidays. We our lives have to get back to a little bit of normalcy. Yeah. But we will definitely be back in January as not only, you know, we get closer to our golf season here in Alberta, but you will be able to talk about the trip to Phoenix and all of that stuff. All of those great things coming up, you know, the the wraparound season really starts to get into full gear, so we're going to have a lot to talk about come January. For sure. And I mean, we may have to do an emergency podcast if anyone else says something about pissing on Patrick Reed or not pissing on All Patrick Reed. All bonus content for our valued <laughs> listeners. Love it. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up season one of the Golf Life Alberta podcast. Can't wait to get back at you guys in 2019. Thank you, Darren. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure you guys uh, give us a little shout out on what you would like to hear on the podcast. I know we always say that, and it's been tough because we haven't been super consistent lately, but we want to give you what you want to hear. Right, Darren? Absolutely. All right. Make the people happy. Exactly. (laughs) Merry Christmas. uh, Happy holidays. Happy New Year. And... uh, I don't think there's been much content added, but of course, still check us out online, golflifeab.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at golflifeab. See you guys in season two. You've been listening to the Golf Life Alberta podcast.